Hey, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. I'm Ty Evans, and uh, thank you for hanging out with me today. Um, we're going to do a debrief on our recent Whitehall, Montana clinic. We had a great time up there. Um, it actually makes five years in Whitehall now. I can't believe how fast time flies. I, uh, You know, six years ago, actually seven years ago now, we were invited to um, do a clinic in conjunction with Montana Mule Days. And, you know, for those of you that have never been to Montana Mule Days, you, you got to go. It is just incredible. And um, it's just a ton of family fun. It's, it's great for, you know, especially those of you that, uh, like me, have, have some uh, children, um, younger children that, you know, enjoy the games and the fun stuff. And, and, uh, you know, it's just a really laid back, relaxed atmosphere. And, and uh, you know, it's not a big, it's, it's not a big show as far as uh, a lot of pressures of, you know, people there that are trying to win. I mean, if you're, if you're there trying to be super serious and, and win stuff at Montana Mule Days, you're, you're probably in the wrong place. Um, because we're all there just to have a good time, just to have fun, you know. And anyways, I got invited to do that, you know, seven years ago. And uh, the first time I went to the clinic with Montana Mule Days, it was actually in Hamilton, Montana, which it's moving back to in 2022. Anyways, then they moved it to Whitehall. And, you know, since then we've been going and, you know, we've been part of part of Montana Mule Days there at Whitehall ever since. And um and this year we we went back and you know they actually had to cancel Montana Mule Days for the second year in a row. Last year it was because of all the COVID junk and, and this year just trying to recover and, and get back, it was just a little challenging for them. So ended up canceling it for this year. However, our clinic was still a go. So so we showed up and and uh so did the folks we had a lot of, i mean this this clinic was full of amazing people um you know quite a few new people that i've never met before but also a handful of uh, folks that have been coming you know year after year so it was a great time but uh i have a few people i want to talk about um and then i have a few uh lessons that that we've learned here that i think are good to share um, and just to remind you, you know, these clinic debriefs, these are from my point of view as the clinician. Um, and I've, I've got some mixed reviews on these debriefs, um, you know, but, uh, th this is a chance for me to reflect and, uh, believe it or not, I actually learn more, uh, from doing these clinic debriefs than, than I, than I think most, most of my listeners do just cause it's. I think it's good for me just to get some of this stuff out there because there are some stressful moments. Um, there's some annoying moments. There's some really happy, fun moments. And I want to be able to share them with you guys. And so you kind of get, uh, from my point of view, after all, this is our, uh, this is my podcast. So I, I can uh, share these things. And anyways, I hope you guys enjoy them and, and enjoy the lessons um, from them. Um, but I did. <laughs> I. I think I mentioned this last week, but I, you know, I, I was up to Creston, Washington and, and doing a clinic up there. And, and every day I, 
I go around or, you know, the, the very first day I go around and I ask people, okay, what's your goal here for this clinic? What do you want to do? And they said, I just don't want to make it onto your podcast uh, <laughs> to be talked about negatively. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to talk about anybody negatively, you know, but uh, they said, well, no, I don't mean like that. I just mean, I don't want to be the person being talked about. Um, you know, I want things to go good for me. And, and uh, I thought that was kind of funny, but you know, uh, we're here to learn and we learn from each other, learn from each other's animals. So I hope you enjoy this. So let's, let's start by talking about, um, our foundation class. This was, this was a good class. Uh, you know, a lot of these people had been watching, um, a lot of videos. These people had been, you know, uh, listening to the podcast. These people had been, been they'd been around. They, they kind of knew about, what to expect. And, and this makes it so much easier. I think the hardest class to, to really jump into, um, is probably the foundation class because, you know, I mean, you'd be honest. I mean, a lot of people don't practice the groundwork. They don't, they don't work on it. They don't, um, take the time. And so they show up to the clinic and a lot of it's just brand new. They, you know, and, uh, so if you did, did a little homework, if you've, if you've done a little research and you've watched a few videos, I mean, there's, I have so many groundwork videos on the video library now. Um, you know, you can do a lot to get ahead of the game and a lot of these people did. So it was, it was pretty good. Um, you know, uh, there was a handful of just really smart animals there, um, and foundation. And, and I was really happy. This is one of the first clinics in quite a while that, um, I really didn't get drug around anywhere and it was, <laughs> that was nice, uh, not to get drug around and pulled around everywhere. And, um, you know, I'm also trying to get better at helping people, you know, cause a lot of you listening to these podcasts week after week, you, you see that there are some things that happen almost every week. And, you know, when this stuff comes up, for example, you know, the bolting mule stuff, I'm trying to get better with that every week because, you know, these are, these are equine, these are flight animals. And, you know, if you put too much pressure on, they're prone to go. And, and I'm, I'm trying to help the people, you know, turn it down a little bit, turn it back a little bit so that you're not getting them to bolt, but also keep it up so that you're getting something done. Um, because it seems like people take it one extreme or the other, either they work their meals way too cautiously and they tiptoe around them and the mule doesn't learn anything because there's no, there's no reason for them to learn. They don't have that level of stress that pushes them to figure something out. So, you know, there's that. And then the other end, it's just like, <laughs> like they're going into battle and they just like attack the poor things and put way too much pressure on and they get them. Yeah. They get them bolting off and it, it's hard to balance that. Even for me, it's hard to balance that. I mean, today, um, you know, just before I recorded this podcast, I was just out working with a, a two-year-old we have named Roper. And for those of you that have been following along with the Dally Diaries that I've been doing this year, uh, Roper is a full brother to Dally. Um, and just, just like her, just like her and pretty touching. And, you know, I was pushing him a little bit, working him a little bit and yeah, he, and he, he wanted to take off, drug me around a little bit and, um, and the round pin kind of got me in, you know, against the rail to where I, I couldn't hang on. I got way too far behind. I had to let go. And 
anyways, I got a hold of them again. And I lost them again. Um, so, okay, I got a hold of them again. This time I turned it way, 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 way down. And, um, you know, we got along uh, quite a bit better. Um, but I still need to push a little bit so he can learn. So this is a, this is a learning, uh, you know, this, this all takes a lot. And, and that's what I'm trying to teach in my clinics. You know, if I see something happening regularly, um, I want to see what I'm doing as a teacher, um, to, you know, what I'm doing there that's presenting, you know, uh, kind of getting people to want to hustle too much. So I got to turn that down a little bit. And, um, I tried to do that there in Whitehall. And so I don't know if it was me trying to turn it down a little bit, um, or that these people were fairly prepared. Um, you know, whatever it was, we didn't have much for trouble there. Um, there was some, some interesting moments. Um, see, I, I think, I think everybody should, you should get as much education as you can. I think you guys should be out there learning and not just from me, but learning from as many people as you can. Um, you know, information is, is a good thing. There's a lot of information out there. Uh, but at the same time, you have to monitor that, uh, that information that's coming in to make sure it's fitting your, your end goals. And, uh, this is where things get a little confusing for people because, um, you know, they come to the clinic and they tell me how they want their mule to be so light and so soft and they want this and that and all these pretty words and, and <laughs> beautiful words, right? Um, but yet they show up with, with uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, with all sorts of gimmicky things on the mule. They show up with with all kind of, you know, like just odd, odd tools and, and things that, and I, and I know where these things are coming from. I've, I've seen these things from other trainers, other clinicians, and, um, it is, it is kind of funny. This is sometimes the participants, you know, treat me as if I, you know, I mean, like I live in a box and I don't know what other people are doing out there. Um, but I'm just like you guys, I, I try to stay informed and I, I want to know what other people are doing and why they're doing it. And so, um, you know, without just saying who, who they're trying to be like or, or the gear they're trying to use, I mean, I know all about it. Um, but to them, these, these things are, I, I mean, they just don't know how to, how to not use them. Um, and so when I say, Hey, you know, you just, just a rope halter, just a plain old rope halter, no big deal. Um, this is how we're going to do this work. It, it's really challenging to them because they've been told they need some, some, some gimmick that, you know, puts pressure here, puts pressure there. Or I see these, these rope halters that are built all goofy with the knots close together up on top. And, and, uh, it, it's amazing sometimes too, you know, the misconceptions of equipment. And this is one thing I see in the rope halters, you know, um, rope halters are just such a simple tool and just, they've been around, they've been around a long time, a really long time. And, and, uh, yet we still want to try to goof them up a little bit and, and folks will, will say, Oh, well, they, we have these two knots here. Um, we have these two knots here so that we can cause pressure, uh, you know, and, or, or some people add, you know, a third and fourth knot up on top so that they can cause pressure and, and 
you, you know, they say, oh, I need these for pressure points. And I ask, hey, do, do you know what those original two knots on your rope halter are for? And they'll say, oh, yeah, it's for pressure. I'm like, no, man, that's that's just how you tie the rope halter. That's just a knot that's needed to make the cheek piece and the nose band be connected. Like, that's it. That's the reason that knot is there. That's it. There's no other reason. It's not for any stupid pressure point or something or other. Um, the other misconception I see a lot in the, in doing these clinics, these foundation classes, especially is folks don't know what their true lead is. When I say true lead, I mean where you, you traditionally and truly lead your animal from. And there's so many people that want to lead the mule from their nose. You don't lead from their nose. You lead up that lead rope. You go under that, uh, under the jaw there. And up to the throat latch, you you lead from be, right behind the pole. That's where your true lead goes up around behind the pole, around that throat latch and, and back down. That's a true lead rope. The nose band is just for lateral help. That means moving them left or right, you know, laterally. That That's what th that is for. Um, we don't lead the mule from their nose. Um, and this, this gets to be... Uh, challenging for people because they never really thought about it that way, you know, and there's lots of other pieces of gear that we've talked about, you know, um, people will come up with funny things like, um, <laughs> one of the funniest ones is slobber straps, right? Like slobber straps on your Makati. Um, people will say, oh, that's great. So you can, you know, uh, yeah, the mule can feel it better it's for a better signal. Um, you know, makes it a little heavier. So they feel, no, the slobber straps, are simply there to protect your Makati. Um, you know, traditionally you'd use a Makati that it costs a little bit of money, you know, whatever it is, it's going to cost more than those slobber straps guaranteed. Um, and you don't want your Makati up against rubbing up on that, that snaffle bit for sure. Um, because that wears it out. So instead of going through a new Makati every year, um, you know, you just, you know, go through a pair, of, a set of slobber straps every now and again. And, um, you know, just a simple piece of equipment and it gets a little bit, you know, folks kind of make things up about it. You know, another thing while I'm on it is a uh, rain chains on, on a bridle bit, you know, traditionally you'd have a rawhide a set of rawhide ramel reins and then you'd have your rain chains and, um, you know, folks are like, oh yeah, those rain chains, that's a, uh, you know, that makes it a little heavier so that the animal can feel that signal. Now, the rain chains, just so when your animal goes and gets a drink, you don't dip your rawhide down in the water. <laughs> the rain chains go into the water. Um, and it's just that connection from the rain to the bit. And then, you know, to top it off, I got a little set of rawhide hobbles between my ramel and the chain. That way I wear out the rawhide hobble. And I, re I replace those. So they're just a few bucks as well. So, you know. Every piece of equipment has a tradition way back. And, uh, you know, so just kind of understanding the tools and, and what they are and why you use them uh, is, is pretty important. And, you know, moving into our mulemanship one class, um, I'll just talk about this a little bit. Um, <laughs> the, first, the first day of mulemanship one, I... I haven't, I haven't been that stressed out in a while doing a clinic. Um, I hold my stuff, myself together pretty good, you know, uh, you know, I, I want to be a good example of confidence. I don't want anybody to ever know if I'm nervous, you know, I, uh, cause I'm trying to set an example for them and, and I'm trying to help them feel confident because a lot of times people come to the clinics and 
you know, they're a little nervous, they're a little worried or whatever. And, and I want them to know, Hey, I am totally confident, you know? And, um, Oh my gosh, the first day of mealmanship one, you know, I, I come in the arena and, and I tell everybody to go ahead and get on the rail at a, uh, at a medium walk and, um, they get on the rail and there's still a couple in the middle that aren't on their mules yet. And I'm going to talk about one fellow named Frank because he's one of the hardest workers I've met yet. I'll talk about him in just a second, but he's the one in the middle trying to get on his mule and the rest of them get on and they're riding around there. And my friend, Jesse Coltrane, um, and you guys have heard me talk about Jesse. She's, she's a cool lady. Um, she's having some issues with her mule Festus and, and this, it, everybody's kind of on, on edge as it is, you know, and, um, and, and Festus just, he just lights it up. This meal just lights it up. He starts bucking and Jesse's right in the middle of him and he's, he's getting it on. And he, he probably, he probably bucks a good, you know, uh, 30 yards, just really getting it on. And she just handles it so good. And at the end, I'm joking. I say, I want to be just like you when I grow up and, uh, she wrote him good. And, but, but it, it was, it, it was a buzz to the class. It was a, it was a negative buzz to the class. Everybody's just kind of on their toes as it is anyways, and kind of worried. And, you know, I never want to really start mealmanship one like that, but luckily it all ended fine. And Jesse rode through it and, and, and there's a few others that are kind of just on the edge. There's, there's a few new riders there and, and, um, and whatnot. And then Frank is still trying to get on his mule. So, so I'm trying to keep the people in the saddle alive and, and going. And, and then I got Frank there in the middle trying to get on his mule. And, um, so Sky's out there. So, Hey Sky, can you come help him? He was just trying to get the mule up to the mounting block. And by the way, Frank is 81 and his mule percolator hadn't been rode in, in at least a year, maybe longer. And he'd only owned the mule for about two years. And this mule's 14 years old and, and a handful, uh, just looks like a handful. And He's trying to get on. So Sky comes out and she's trying to help him. And, and the mule doesn't have a clue, not a clue about groundwork. And, you know, if you're going to be in the mulemanship one class, you, you really ought to have your groundwork going well. It, it'll just really suit you to have your groundwork, you know, all the checklists, just have it going good. Because basically we're going to mirror all those moves in the saddle. So if you can come and be ahead of the game and, and have that groundwork going, it's going to be that much easier for you. So, but no, not, not this mule. No, nope, no way. I mean, the mule didn't have a clue how to lead. Um, you know, and, and if you've been to my clinic, you've heard me talk uh, specifically in the foundation classes, you've heard me talk about leading, right? There's a big difference in being broke to lead, being broke to follow or being broke to drag. This mule was the latter being he's broke to drag. I mean, you could drag him around and get him from point A to point B, but he was not broke to lead. Big difference, big, big difference. And so Sky's trying to do a little groundwork. And, and um, you know, I mentioned that in the foundation class, I didn't have anything drag me around. But Sky got drug around in the mulemanship one class. So poor gal, Sky, uh, you know, she, she does, she, she does the best that she can. And, but she definitely is not going to go out there and take a dragon, uh, you know, where me, I'll just ski across the arena and I'll hang in there until my hands burn off, you know. Um, but Sky, Sky is way smarter than me. Um, she's like, no, anyway, so this meal took off, but she handled it and she got him stopped twice. Um, but there's no way that, um, 
you know, this mule was going to get up to that block. And the mule had no clue. And um, luckily there was a, a pin just right off the arena, just a small little pin, about a 12 by 12 pin, little catch gate. And I said, hey, Frank, leave that mule over there. Take that mule over there and, and work in that pin where you're not getting drug around. And um, Frank has some, I think he had some bad ankles or bad knees or something because he had a little, a little difficulty kind of walking and getting around a little bit. And uh, I'm kind of thinking, oh, man, oh, man, this is going to be tough here. I don't know what to do about this, you know. And um, But he, he took him in the corral, and he, and he worked with him, and he, and he got him going. And he got, he got on him, and he rode him in that little pen for just a second. And then, and then they let him out, and he comes out, and his mule percolator <laughs> was a great name for this mule because he just went percolating all around that arena. And like I mentioned, Frank is 81, you guys. He's 81. And so, you know, just a side note, it's really annoying when somebody that's 40 years old tells me that they're too old to ride some stuff. They might, they just, just admit it. You don't want to, but you ain't too old because this guy, 81 years old, he's out there and this meal is just, you know, it, it's, it's running off with him. It's just running around and we're all gathered up in a circle. Luckily, everybody else's meals just stood nicely, but this meal just ran around and old Frank, he just went right with him, uh, just right in the middle. I mean, I, uh, I, I don't know if I could have wrote it that good. You know, he just right in the middle of him. And, um, anyways, and, and, uh, I, I kind of, you know, said, Hey man, you put that mule into some serpentines. And I had him, I said, you're going to do serpentines until I say, and for the next hour and a half and Frank, he, he did it. And this is the difference. I got somebody else I'll mention here. Um, but, but Frank did it. He did serpentines for a freaking hour and a half until that mule settled and came down. And I was talking about this in the clinics that, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> they'll, you know, they're doing the right thing. They just don't do it long enough. But my, my goodness, Frank did it long enough. He did an hour and a half of serpentines and did not quit until I told him to. 81 years old and just rocking, just, just amazing, you know, uh, that was a rough first day for him. He he got off and he got off and uh, luckily the mule stood nicely for him to swing off because he kind of drug his leg across his mule's butt. And I'm just, as, I, as he's getting off, I'm thinking, Ooh, be careful there. And, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, when your kid is doing something that, you know, you could speak up at the wrong time and panic them or scare them or scare something. So you just keep your mouth shut that was kind of that moment for me because he dragged, he drug that leg across that mule's butt and that mule's got its ears just pinned together. And like, it's just going to take off any second, but he swung off, but you know, Frank's ankles are so weak. He got, he could hardly stand there. He had to, he had to just hang in there for a second. And luckily that mule percolator, he stood there for him. Kind of why Frank got that blood flowing back down to his feet. And, um, you know, I said, Hey man, you're going to sleep good tonight. He's like, you ain't kidding there. <laughs> so, Oh, uh, you know, and, and over the week, well, the next day, Frank, he, he, he realized that he needed to, to add the foundation class, but he still wanted to ride. So he added the foundation class. Now, now this guy is doing two classes a day and he did that. And, you know, by the last day, uh, Frank had things going pretty well and he knew exactly what he needed to do going home. But, you know, if I, if you guys come to a clinic and I say, Hey, do serpentines right now. 
it's not a casual suggestion. And, and this is where I've always struggled in my clinics with a little bit, I don't know what the right word is, authority maybe, because I'll say, Hey, you need to do some serpentines. And they go, Oh, okay. No, I'm like, no, no, really. Like you're about to get bucked off. And, and I say it casually. Um, I don't say it in a panic and I, and I don't say it forcefully. Like I'm not getting after you, but I say it and people just take, don't take it seriously. So I'm like, no, no, really do some serpentines, man. You're about to die. And then they just think that's kind of funny. And so I have a hard time getting people to actually go through it. And, um, in the cow working class, we had, uh, another gal, uh, we had a lady riding that class and, and her horse was really scared of the other animals running up behind it or around it. Now, cow working is basically a mealmanship two class with purpose. Um, and if you guys come to mealmanship, mealmanship two, or you come to cow working, you better be ready to do transitions or else it's not going to go great for you. Like I'm talking about this lady here, her animal was pretty scared and he was getting worried. He's kind of, she, she was, uh, the horse's name was Shiloh and, and Shiloh was kind of raring up a little bit and kind of getting bothered. But, you know, Don was also holding really tight on the reins and, and, and Don knows that the horse is scared of these things. So she's looking around. Don, Don is looking around back and forth as people come, come by. And I'm like, just pay attention to your horse and ride and trot. And she was so tight. She just could not. And she was on the edge of quitting. And, um, I said, hey, get, do some serpentines right now. And she did not take me serious. She was not doing them. Or she did like, I mean, really just just a big old wide turn there. Another big old wide turn. She was not doing short serpentines. And when I say short serpentines, that's like four steps in a turn, four steps in a turn, back and forth. You're making a snake trail down the arena. And that is the, the quickest way to take a little spunk out of an animal that is wanting to do the bounce boogie and bump. I mean you know, that's how you get something done. But she was not taking me seriously. So finally I said, Hey, and she was on the edge of quitting. She's like, I don't know if I can take this. I'm like, okay, get off the horse, chill out, do some groundwork. And so she did, and she felt better. And and I was glad that I kept her in class because she was just about to quit. But all week long, um, I could not get her to ride that horse with any, with any, um, confidence with any authority, with any direction. So basically she's leaving that horse out to dry the whole time. And, and this is the difference between Frank and, and Don here was I told Frank do serpentines until I say, and he did an hour and a half of short serpentines until he's dripping sweat and he's wore out and the mule's barely coming down finally, but he's getting it done. And on the other hand, I'm telling Don to do some short serpentines here and it's very casual and she's not getting much done. Um, this is the hard part about my job is trying to get people to take me serious when I'm giving a, a direction because, you know, yeah, we're, we're there to learn a lot of exercises and a lot of little things, little pieces and relationship stuff and, 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 uh, you know, getting a handle on them. And this some isn't a big deal that you do right now. But if I'm, if I, if I ever say, Hey, now do short serpentines, just know that I'm saying that to save your life. <laughs> I want you to live. I want your life, your lifespan to be healthy there. So, you know, um, but I just want to give a shout out to Frank, uh, because just what an inspiration, you know, like I mentioned earlier, one of my biggest pet peeves is when somebody says they're too old. I'm just like, shut up. I mean, <laughs> maybe that sounds harsh, but uh, you're only as old as you think you are. And, um, you know, 
I show up there for three days. It goes by fast. And I appreciate somebody like Frank that shows up. And even though maybe he's not in the best of health, that fella just worked. He worked hard. And he may have had to take a week off after to recover. But you know what? He worked hard and he did it. And and uh, and I asked him, I said, what, what would you say to those that are like, you know, 40 years old and they 50 years old and they say they're too old to do some of these things. And he said, you're only as old as you think you are. And, uh, that's interesting to me, you know, um, uh, I, I think about, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, men and women I know in my life that, uh, they got some years on them and, uh, you know, they, you, you wouldn't know it because they're young at heart and um yeah they might take longer to recover but boy they get it done and uh, so it's kind of inspiration i hope that when i'm 81 i can ride those handfuls like frank did and and stay there in the middle and uh boy if you want to know if i was nervous i tell you what i was nervous as a clinician watching thinking oh my gosh uh but he handled it and, and he made it and i just thought it was really neat that he worked through it and made it a positive moment for, for his mule. So that was really great. So anyways, good job, Frank. Hey, uh, we're going to take a quick break and thank one of our sponsors and we'll be right back with our Whitehall clinic debrief. Hey, you want to jump on here real quick and give a big shout out to my buddy Colton Erring. Um, if you're looking for a good custom built saddle, that fits mules and fits you, you need to check out Colt Salary. You find him on Facebook, Colt Salary, and uh, tell him Ty sent you. He will take good care of you. Okay, we're back with our Whitehall, Montana clinic debrief. And, um, you know, we've been talking about a few uh, a few things that kind of went on there. And uh, we talked about Frank. Um and percolator percolating all over that arena. I said, I told him, I said, I think you need to name that mule something else. <laughs> you should name it like butterfly or something like, uh, I don't know. But anyways, um, you know, when I mentioned, uh, um, Jesse, you know, kind of going through her bronc ride. And I, I want to talk about Jesse again here because this was, this was something that's just interesting. And, um, and it just kind of brought back memories for me of, of my rodeo days. So I, I told you how Jesse and Festus went for their bronc ride. So this meal really bucked and uh, got it on. And uh, and she weathered it. She rode it. She did good. Okay, now fast forward to day three for Jesse. And she's on her good little meal mouse. And she's Jesse has been bringing mouse to these clinics now for a few years. And... Mouse is doing great, just a nice little mule. And 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 cow working the last day, we are working on some stuff and and doing some transitions. And she's going around the arena, and and uh, there's kind of a uh, a little mud puddle toward one end of the arena. And she she's kind of working through transitions down there. And anyways, Mouse kind of spooked at this puddle and kind of jumped out from under, her and just and just dumped Jesse right off. <laughs> I'm, I watched the whole thing. I'm thinking like, are you kidding me? I just saw this gal ride this bucking mule. And then day three, this mule just kind of farts sideways and old Jesse hits the dirt. Now, luckily it's Jesse. Because, she's going to be listening to this podcast soon. She's going to want to punch me in the nose. But luckily it's Jesse because Jesse always has a smile on. And Jesse has a work ethic that is unparalleled. 
Um, you know, and as she's hitting the dirt, she's smiling and bounces. She just bounces off the ground like a bouncy ball and just gets right back up and on and, and just get, gets back on, gets in the saddle and, and trots right out of her tracks, just, just right back to it. Like she didn't skip a beat. And, and for a lot of us, it could be so traumatic, but I, I want to mention it. it well, I said it re- reminded me of my rodeo days because, you know, you could get on these horses that would really buck and, and they'd kick out nice and, and just really buck and, and you can make a great ride, but then you get on a horse that would run halfway and then fart and kick and kind of sunfish and oh, they dump, they dump me off all the time. And you'd be looking at like, oh my gosh, you just rode this horse that was rank and you just went, you know, 85, 88 points on this thing or whatever. And, uh, you know, the next day you get on this little thing that fart sideways and, and dumps you off, you know, and I'm like, that happened all the time to me when I was, when I was riding Bronx. Um, so Jesse, I, <laughs> I feel you, but, um, you know, and I, a work ethic is so important and, you know, very, very rarely do I have somebody triple dip. Um, maybe it's every other, maybe one person, every other clinic, uh, you know, so not a lot. Um, but Jesse triple dip. She did all three classes. She did foundation with Festus, mealmanship, one with Festus. And then she did cow working on her meal mouse. And, um, you know, when people do that, they, they get a taste of a little bit what it's like to be me uh, with those little short. We only have half hour breaks between each class. And so it's it's pretty rapid. It's a it's a fast it's a fast paced day, really. You know, um, it's a lot of work, but she did it. She did a dang good job of it. Um. I wanted to mention another friend here that did just fantastic. Um, his name is Brennan. Now, if you listen to my rock crawling, um, or excuse me, it's called the Extreme Trail Riding Clinic debrief um, number one, I talked about Brennan. And he was one I mentioned that came off the rock and his mule slipped and fell and, and uh, landed on Brennan's leg. And Brennan kind of messed up his knee a little bit. Anyways, Brennan was up here at Whitehall, and he he did uh, mealmanship one and cow working. And I just got to give Brennan a shout out because I don't I don't know if anybody else had more fun than him. And one of one of the things that I just really love at these clinics is is when people develop a camaraderie when they cheer for each other and they're happy for one another. Um, you know, I really try hard to uh, develop a a non-competitive atmosphere uh, at the clinics. Um, there's way too much competition in, in the equine world, um, usually between human and animal. And I definitely want to get rid of that. But I've found that in order to get rid of that competition between the human and the animal, because remember, we're on the same team. And if you've been to my clinics and you've heard me say, if my mule's a winner... I'm a winner. If my mule's a loser, well, takes one to know one. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so, so I, I, I don't want that competitive atmosphere at my clinics. Okay. So I also try hard to get everybody cheering for everybody and, and say, you know, good job, you know, and I'll, I'll often make a comment as, you know, somebody gets something done and I'll say, and the crowd goes wild and I'll usually get them a couple of claps at least. And anyways, I, I do that over and over and, and pretty soon, Everybody is cheering, but I don't think anybody cheered everybody else along as much as Brennan did. 
And so I just want to say thanks to Brennan. Uh, good job. Um, it's just it, know that know that I noticed that that you know um, I mentioned Dawn earlier. She was the one that was struggling with her horse to um, you know while people were doing transitions. She was she was scared to trot and lope herself, let alone people trot and lope around her. And uh, I overheard Brennan multiple times saying, "You got this, Don. You can do this. You got it. You can do this. You got it. You can do this." And say, "Come on, yeah, you you, you can do it. Ty will help you. Uh, he's here for you, you know." And he said it, you know, over over and over, and it was just really impressive. Um, and he always had a smile on, you know. Sorry about the background noise. I'm recording this in uh, in my trailer as usual. And, um, there's people going by. So these walls are not soundproof. Definitely. Um, anyway, so thank you, Brennan, um, for your awesome attitude, man. It's just, it's just so refreshing and, and guy had a smile on the whole time. Um, I also had, um, the opportunity to have a, a couple of, uh, brothers ride in this clinic. Um, one's name was Rip. And the other's name was Don. Uh, and Don came all the way up from Texas to come to this clinic. Rip was there in Montana and, you know, riding together. And uh, and it was interesting, you know, because Rip said, you know what, I've been, he's been riding his whole life. And he's an outfitter. He's an outfitter in the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex up there. And, I mean, the guy's got a lot of animals and he, he's, got, he's got way more miles on than I'll probably ever will have, you know, um, and he says the very first day, you know, he come across some of my stuff on YouTube and he come across my videos and, and whatnot. And he says, I like how you ride. I like what you're doing, Ty. And it's nothing like what I do. <laughs> and so I want to, I want to make some changes and I want to restart this whole process and I want to be better. And, um, my gosh, he worked hard. He asked good questions. Um, but I do understand that, you know, for a lot of you, it, it is hard. Um, it is hard to change. And it's been kind of fun the last few weeks at almost each clinic, I get some beginners. I mean, I'm talking brand new beginners. Um, and this clinic, I also had a, a beginner. His name was Casey. Uh, pretty cool guy. He does uh, wildlife documentaries and a uh, pretty cool fella. Uh, he trains, trains wolves, trains bears. Um, so he's also always dealt with predators and, uh, never really dealt with these, these animals, these, you know, equine mule, the mule he had, uh, uh, the mule's name was muskrat. And I thought that was neat. I've never met a mule named muskrat, but, uh, anyways, you know, his first equine ever. And, and he's there and I was telling Casey, I said, you know, man, this stuff will be easier for you to learn than for some of these people that have been riding 50 years. I mean, I had people in my clinic this time, I mentioned Frank, you know, 81, uh, you know, been, been writing 70 years, you know, um, long time. And then I got people like Casey that show up and, you know, he said, he's just owned that meal for two months, brand new. And, and so those of you like Rip and, um, these others that have been riding a long time, a lot of miles and you got a lot of habits, uh, know that you kind of do got to accept, yeah, this is going to be hard to change. You're going to have some default things that you, you do. And, and one of them often is seat position. And it's something that we don't think about enough is how we sit in our saddle. And a lot of us, um, 
ride our animals like we're riding a motorcycle. And there's a lady that was in this clinic also named Eugenia. And Eugenia, she races motocross. And so she has a real hard time. She's always leaning and and um, has a hard time staying centered. And and this is probably one of the most difficult things for people to, to learn um, is how to sit in the saddle for those that have have rode for a long time and they got some bad habits uh maybe bad habits wrong word but just some unhelpful habits you know anyway so i just want to say good job to people like rip and dawn been right a long time and eugenia and all these folks that, that just try really hard and, and they're there to to learn i want to give one last shout out and you know there's so many great people here that I need to mention, you know, um, but it's hard to fit it all in the podcast, of course. But um, I had Dylan and Kate Price. And now Dylan's mom, Tara, is the one that hosts these clinics for us. And she does a great job. And we're very grateful for Tara. Um, but Dylan and Kate got to ride. And and uh, Kate uh, was actually, Kate is actually the first uh, lady that uh, was pregnant in my clinic that I, that I knew about, um, anyways. And, uh, she did the foundation class with a nice little mule Rosie and kudos to her, um, doing all this work while she's, she's pregnant. And, um, you know, I know that it, it ain't easy when, when you're, you're on your own, but when you're packing another, uh, I can't, I can't even imagine. Uh, so good job, Kate. Um, and her husband, Dylan, um, just a really cool guy. He, he cowboys full time. Well, him and Kate both, they, they work on a ranch together full time. And, and, and Dylan brought his mule named Sweetie and Sweetie is a straight up in the bridal mule. Uh, I've seen, I've known this mule since she was a baby and, and, uh, Dylan has took her all the way up through all the progressions and she is now straight up in the bridal. And my gosh, he has done a really good job. And, you know, in the cow work and I had him, go in there and, and, uh, I said, I, I told him what cow I wanted him to get out of the herd. And I have never had any participant follow directions so exactly precise to get the cow out. And, and I hope the others in the class noticed all the little intricate moves. Cause I just say now, now ride to the hip one step. Okay, good. Now ride to the eye one step, ride to the rib one step. And, and he'd do it. And he just got that cow out just nice and quiet. And, um, you know, part of the reason he could follow those directions so exact and precise was that he had a mule that had been through the progressions, done a lot of work, and was straight up in the bridle. And uh, just, just a amazing job, Dylan. You've you've done a good job with that mule, sweetie. So I just want you to know I'm proud of you. There's a lot of others I need to mention. You know, um, there's a gal named Heather in the foundation class that had a horse named Ruby, and all this stuff was pretty new to her, but she just did a great job. You know, um, Amy Klingler, she learned a lot of lessons of patience with her donkey, you know, and, uh, uh, just some, just some great people. I, I wish I could just go through and thank each one of them. Um, but there is, there's one more that I do want to mention, um, a, a lady named Jen Bennett and Jen, um, brought her mule named Maggie and, uh, the last day we're working on loping some getting some transition work going and she she comes out there and, and she's trying 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 trotting 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 and trying to get maggie to lope and 
and she finally gets a few strides out. Okay, good job. And then, you know, I go through everybody else and then we all go around the other way. And again, we go the other way and she's trying, she's trotting about three quarters away around the arena before she can get her mule to lope. And she finally gets it done. And she came to me after she's like, I haven't loped in 10 years. I had an accident 10 years ago and I have not had the confidence to lope. And she said, thank you. And those moments are highlights for me. I just, I just love helping people get past those fears. And I, I, I love helping people build confidence. Um, you know, I, I don't really do anything. I just give them some tools to use and hopefully they use it. And if they do use it and they use the tools, right, they often can build that confidence. And Jen did that. And, uh, she had that mule Maggie, great mule and got a lot of potential. So good job to you, Jen. Anyways, uh, with that, I think we'll, uh, we'll call it for this episode. You guys, uh, if, if it's not too much to ask, I would just really appreciate it. If you had the time, uh, to take, to leave a review, if you think that we deserve five stars, hit the five stars there, particularly if you listen to this on Apple podcasts, uh, you can also write a review. Tell me what you think of the podcast. Tell me your favorite episode. Um, leave your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you guys. So, hey, and if you guys are interested in coming to a clinic and riding with us, um, I would love to have you there. I'd love to help you. Look us up online at tsmules.com. Until next time, God bless and uh, happy trails. <laughs>